and welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of Casting the Runes. I'm Sarah Dobbs. I'm Catherine McLaughlin. And I'm Jonathan Hatful. And this episode, we are going to talk about horror icon Lin Shay, uh, because Insidious The Last Key, or Insidious 4 as I keep calling it, um, just came out at cinemas. And it's kind of finally puts her in the lead role in this franchise, even though she's kind of been the, the best thing about it all along. And I feel like there's been a lot of talk about how it finally, you know, she's become um, an icon. But I feel like she's been an icon for a long time. And we're all big fans. So we thought we'd just have a chat about her and how awesome she is. Okay, shall I explain more about uh, what happens in the film? So, yeah, Lee Lee Winnell writes it again. And this time Adam Rebuttal uh, directs. So... Basically, this just goes into the Lin Shay, oh no, Lin Shay, yeah, of course, Elise <laughs> Rennie is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, she is that character now, too. Yeah, um, totally. It goes into Elise Rennie's uh, upbringing, and she had an abusive upbringing at the hands of her father. And then she's having nightmares about it all, and things things are coming back to her, and... Then she gets a phone call from the current resident of her fam- family home, which just incidentally sits inside a state penitentiary in Five <laughs> Keys, New Mexico. <laughs> so her and uh, the spectral sightings team, Specs and Tucker, go back and investigate. But really, more it's just more about her personal history and violence against women. Yeah. It feels very timely in that sense, although... It does it... feel very timely, but the ending completely undoes itself and it annoyed me, but there we go. Yeah, I was going to say, it's very, very clumsy and yeah. lots of things undermined it for me. But I did, I can't, for me, I can't not get emotion involved in a group of women and like men supporting them to, you know, fight against evil things like that. Um, so yeah, yeah, I was like really emotionally involved in it, but <laughs> this is really like Lee Winnell could not help himself mm-hmm. from writing Specs and Tucker to be so creepy. No, they're terrible. <laughs> yeah, that it was so off-putting. I was like, can you just stop? Like it was funny once. Well, not even funny. Once, <laughs> like, okay. And then they just continue and continue. And you could have probably shaved about 15 minutes of the film if you'd have cut all that shit out. Yeah, and, well, definitely. you should, because it's about 20 minutes too long. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's an easy fix there. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's really interesting because the sort of bare bones of the story are that she has to go back and confront her abusive past and sort of confront some failings of her own as well, like where she's kind of failed other women in the past a little bit, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. And yeah, then there's like the next generation and there's there's a whole thing about um, overcoming this very patriarchal demon. But at the same time, yeah, you've got the Specs and Tucker stuff where they're constantly leering at the young girls and the camera does as well. Like there's one scene where there's like a demon in the background, but for where he positions the camera is just straight across uh, the girl's breasts and she's panicking. So like her chest's moving up and down and you're like, there is no need for this to be five minutes of heaving breasts. Like I can't even see the demon because it's so dark and so far in the background. It's just not working. Like it's coming off pervy rather than scary. And the age difference between Tucker and Tucker and Specs and the two teenage girls seems very 
<laughs> a very big age difference. Yeah, the, yeah. A, the, the chronology was really confusing to me because I kept trying to do the maths on that because... Lin Shay's family stuff. Sorry, Elise. Elise's family stuff. I know, right? <laughs> just because it's just because the character is not that well drawn. I guess. I feel like all the good stuff comes from Lin Shay, and the script is not really there. So it's tempting to just be like, yeah, Lin Shay does this. Um. Anyway, so yeah, Elise. Elise's family. So when we first go back to the very earliest bit, it's 1953, and she's supposed to be what, like. 12, 13? Yeah, I think okay. so. Like early teens. So, I, oh God, I should have done this maths ahead of time. But like the present day is 2010. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Somebody find me a calculator. <laughs> so, well, I guess because the, the two girls' dad is Bruce Davison and he does look... Uh, old. Old, yes, old he does. Old as balls. Yeah, he does. Um, yeah. So he's got, he's got two teenage daughters. Yeah, the, something, something's gone wrong in this something's the chronology. Something's gone wrong. Yeah, it makes no sense. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's what's gone trying wrong. Trying to get it fit in line with like modern day, like the story. Yeah, obviously yeah. the insidious films because yeah. he brings all that background again. Okay, so so if we just go kind of very roughly, right? So if she was sort of twelve-ish in nineteen fifty-three, so she's supposed to be about seventy in the present day of the film, which is twenty ten. And her brother is meant to be younger than her. So charitably, he's like mid-60s and he's got these two daughters who look 20 if you're really at the outside. And you're like, (laughs) it doesn't seem quite right. Like, I guess it's possible, but like it just does seem a little bit strange. Yeah. And there's no, they don't ever address who the girl's mother is, do they? They're just like, no, 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 not at all. Yeah, that doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought all the family stuff because I thought like, oh, Bruce Davison, he's great, and then Shay's okay. So there'll be like some meaty, dramatic stuff here, and the dialogue in those scenes is so bad, and you, you can you can see them like suffering with it. Mm-hmm. It's just painful to watch all of that. Yeah, it's a real shame. Oh, it's just that scene in the diner where uh, Elise meets her nieces for the first time, and she like spots them across the room and thinks oh, they remind me of my brother and, like, goes to talk to them. And it's all just in Lin Shay's face. <laughs> like, she just does all the heavy lifting when you're like, oh, what's going on here? And like, and then they explain it. And then bloody Lee Wannell and Angus Sampson come over and just do all their dribbling. And it's just like... Yeah. You can see Lin Shay getting more and more uncomfortable. And the character is meant to be uncomfortable in that scene and, like, trying to yeah. divert them. But, like... But it only works because she's so good at doing this sort of non-verbal, oh God, how do I make this stop face? <laughs> and, yet, like, and yeah, she never seemed protective of her nieces in any way. She was just encouraging her boys. That was really odd. It was a bit odd. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, she kind of, she did apologise. Yeah, she did. Yeah. yeah. But then it's sort of like, oh, those rascals. And it just kind of continues. Really, I don't think she was like witness to a lot of it. Part of the problem is as well, is that although... Although this is now uh, a prequel and so it's supposed to be 2010, in reality, it was shot in 2017 and uh, Lee Wannell and Angus Sampson don't look like they're in their 20s. Like, sorry, they don't. They look like they're 40 and that makes it really, really creepy. Even though I think the age gap between the Spectral Sightings boys and those girls is not meant to be that vast. Like, I think plausibly those girls could be early 20s and they're meant to be, like, maybe, like, late 20s, early 30s, but they just don't look it. So it's just like, ah, cringe, cringe. Um, I just feel like they should have thought about that when they were writing it. Because it is so much a story about women being abused by men and coming together to fight back. And uh, like we say, that feels really, like, timely. But at the same time, just putting in this horrible leering stuff. 
just makes it a bit shit. I was also, I did I, the first twist that happens. I did really. I, I've I've seen it a few times in, in TV shows, and I do always like it. Cause I think it's especially if you're not expecting it, like in this film, it does work really well. But I think they kind of there's just a lot of telegraphing. I think especially with, with casting, like things like uh, Kirk Acevedo who plays Ted Garza, who's the new owner of the house. I think of him as twitchy character actor Kirk Acevedo. Like he's never been in anything where he wasn't hiding something terrible. Yeah. Uh, and Josh Stewart as the dad as well. It's just <laughs> as soon as he shows up, you're just sort of like horrible Josh Stewart. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're not you're not going to be a nice dad here. Yeah. So yeah, it just sort of there were definitely things like ideas that I really liked in it. And these things like the the prison. I was like, oh sweet, it's going to be like kind of the the prison's going to be part of the further, but not until the very end. It's such a waste of like a really creepy because they talk about the the spirits of the people who've been in the electric chair and stuff like that, and that's a whole wasted uh, avenue, I guess. Yeah, there's like there's there's that cool bit where she's young Elise is whispering to someone in the dark and you can't see them. Yeah. But even that was just like, hold on, what? Like it sounds like a child's voice, but why would it be a child? Yes. I don't. Yeah. I thought it was a little boy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it was trying to trick her yeah 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 but i just feel like surely the ghosts in her house are meant to be ghosts of executed criminals predominantly but isn't that like the demon with the Mm. key fingers well this is the thing right that i think when we've talked about this film before we're all like the demon with the key fingers looks super awesome what is that i want to know what that (laughs) is what was that so the demon with the key fingers i can't like explain exactly what but i think they just wanted to deal with like that uh sense of when you're frightened, you lose your voice and actually the science of women. Mm. And when he like sticks his finger in and turns that off, I found that really fucking Yeah, horrible. it was great. That was Underpaid, creepy, for sure. Yeah. Because it, it didn't really matter. Like, she couldn't scream, but it didn't really matter anyway. Because oh, she's already in the further. Yeah. It, was, it yeah. was all just a bit like, there were lots of really good ideas that yeah, they hadn't quite yeah, thought through not. how they would like connect to each other or what they would mean. It was like, oh, this will be a cool visual, but we don't really know why it's a shame do you think he got anyone in to consult or to help on those like with like those issues that women i think he should have done i think yeah i think he should have found someone who's good at writing stories and gone i've got these really cool ideas help me and then they could have fixed it because like there's so much stuff that you you see something and you immediately like your brain's going oh that's maybe this is going to happen or maybe this is going to happen or maybe this is going to go there and then it just it literally goes nowhere at all and you're like oh well, why was that there then? And then when the blame is shifted, mm. yeah, that's on. Un- that's that's unfortunate, isn't it? It is really I read, unfortunate. Um, an on. interview with Adam Robitel where someone asked him about that, and they said like that they had considered that, and it was you know it wasn't something that they didn't realise, and they tried to kind of deal with it in a sensitive, sensible way, but I'm not sure they did. Like it, w- I think it would have worked if you had said like this demon is feeding off the pre-existing abusiveness of this guy. Like that doesn't excuse him. Mm. Like he's already a bad guy and that's why the demon is attracted to him. That sort of works for me. So I kind of have to fanfic that in my head a bit to make it work. But again, (laughs) I feel like I'm doing that a lot with this film. Just like, oh, if I can just fill in the gaps to make it cool. The only thing that you didn't need to fill in the gaps on was that fucking whistle. (laughs) That was just so heavily telegraphed from the start. It's like, listen, any time that you just use this whistle and no matter where I am, (laughs) I could be anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I will come find find you. you. And it kept popping up. I have to actually admit that I did cry at this film. When? 
I got emotional at the end for sure. Like I got um, emotional when her mum oh, okay. came in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I literally could not help myself. I was like, oh, mum. Uh, yeah. Mum's great. <laughs> yeah, that was a, it. Was a really nice moment. It did. Yeah, yeah it got me as well. That's nice. Yeah. I mean, I, basically, I just think that everything good about this film was Lin Shay, and she was just fighting against material that was a little bit weak. But you got to give you got to give Winnell some props for coming up with like he, he tried. Try. That's the thing. I will give him. Like he, his heart was in the right place, but he just should have brought, he should have brought someone into like, or I don't know who, he must have spoken to someone. <laughs> in <Sure>. his life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if there's someone to like, at least just, I, I couldn't get a, past the dialogue in a lot of the scenes. It just felt really, ugh, no, I don't I know. Just like, do, like explaining stuff, exposition, right? Yeah, just. Yeah. Yeah, it just it felt like it needed someone else to come in and just let me explain. Some or more. just just finesse <laughs> yeah. it a bit. Like he didn't it, the the subtext yeah, wasn't exactly. there. It was literally just like text. Like there was no yeah. Like I don't know. It just it just needed a bit. I needed another draft or six. Yeah, I think it did. I think it. Exa- I agree with you. It had that like the bare bones or something that could mm. be mm-hmm. amazing. So I guess maybe that's why you're feeling disappointment. But yeah, I was emotionally involved and I can't lie. And I enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, And I enjoyed, I genuinely enjoyed the niceness (laughs) of like how like she's got this family of specs and Tucker. (laughs) She was feeling really shit. Or she was feeling really shit at the beginning of the film because she was having these horrible nightmares and they'd just moved in to like stay with her. Yeah. I just wish, I just wish he was better at writing those characters. Because yeah. they're yeah. so useless and so annoying that really you don't sort of think, oh, bless, it's really sweet. You just think, oh, God, you've got to put up with these two idiots. Yeah, and I, I forget d- how I annoying they are. I don't are. think that. I don't think that. I think, like, when I'm not watching Insidious films, I think, oh, yeah, they're pretty funny. And then I watch them and... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like in the first one, I found them quite funny because I found yeah. the rest of the film so scary and so tense that a little bit of comic relief yeah. was, like, really, really welcome, even if they weren't... They Maybe they weren't that funny, but, like, any you sort of grab onto any bit of, like, humour. But this film wasn't very scary, so it didn't really work. It yeah. just all felt... Uh, a bit rubbish. I do like Angus Sampson as an actor. I think like in like Fargo and uh, Mad Max and uh, The Mule, he's uh, he's good. But yeah, just he's they, they, those characters are bad. Did we have we also talked about how dark the film yeah. was? That we kind of both had like I don't know if you did as well, Cap, but like had the thing of like, is it supposed to be this black or is it kind of is it an, a projection yeah. issue? I'd literally thought about complaining because I was like, it must be a projection issue. It's so dark, like, I can't see anything. And then, like texted you, and you were like, nope, <laughs> that's how it is. <laughs> yeah, it's just murky. I, I didn't notice at okay. all. Mine was fine. What, in which like part? a lot of it, like any time it was dark, which was like oh. most yeah. of the film. So like when they're in the sewer or when they're in the further or when they're in the basement or when they're just in the dark house. That infuriated me though. Like when they in the guy's house at night doing an investigation and they're just walking around with tiny torches. Like there is no narrative reason for you not to switch the fucking lights on. Like none at all. There is no <laughs> If reason. you switch the lights on, the ghosts will go away. They won't. They're ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't... Ghosts hate the light. I did like the sewer bit though. I thought that was really effective. Yeah, that the that was a really great jump scare for sure. That's a really good, yeah. That was the only. That, that's the I one. Like that that is the the one jump scare that worked for me. Yeah, I mean they recycled. They recycled yeah. some stuff, which annoyed me. Yeah. yeah, I thought that the opening scene with uh, in the bedroom with the 
with young Elise and her brother, I thought was creepy. But, mm. but again, it felt like something they'd nicked from another Insidious movie. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. think the, um, the other <laughs> problem with this one, like, is that in the first movie, they sort of wrote themselves into a corner they've been desperately trying to get out of since by killing off Elise at the end of the film. And every time they seem to just try and write them, like, close off other things. So, like, if they wanted to make another sequel now, they kind of can't because, like, they've closed mm-hmm. the loop by having the end of this film tie into her going to investigate um, the haunting from the first film. So it's like, well, that's it now. We've got the full story from the first time Elise meets Spex and Tucker right up until she dies. We've got everything. There is no room for you to... Unless, like, something happens on the drive over. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Or, uh, cause, because the problem is, like, you've got this character who's awesome and has, like, fought lots of lots of ghosts and demons and stuff before. So you think there's an easy way to do a franchise because we love... Elise, or we at least love Lin Che. Um, so we're happy to keep watching her like go and deal with different people's problems. Like we could just do that forever. But instead, they've made it so they can't do anymore. Or if they do, they can't really do them with Lin Che because they'd have to do it with a younger actress. Or maybe they've just written her a new series. Hopefully. Hopefully. I hope that's the case. I feel like <laughs> they didn't maybe expect it to do as well as yeah. it did. And so maybe they think they were thinking that this might be the last one partly. Yeah, because yeah. it's called The Last Key. Yeah. So I think they kind of thought, and if they, you know, they've just, they've established that she's got uh, nieces yeah. now. So yeah, but yeah. they could spin off I mean, that character. I, I guess. guess if they do it, they can just have Lin Shay as a ghost in the further. Yes. Yeah. But I don't know. It just seems, it just seemed unnecessary to tie the end of this one into the beginning of the first one. Like they didn't need to do that so explicitly. Just, 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 no, just, that just was don't do it. There's no need. Was the this might be a little spoiler, but like the uh, the bit where you see a bit of Insidious was the little demon at the window as bad in the original first Insidious as as it was in that film, where it's just a little red face thing going. <laughs> he was really scary <laughs> the first time, but like now he's not. He's, I think he lost it in Insidious Two. He stopped being scary. Where there's that bit in his workshop where he's just like dancing around. You're like, oh, that's not <laughs> scary anymore, is it? But yeah, in the first film, which I rewatched, and it's still really fucking yeah. scary. I do remember seeing it at the cinema and like just jumping out my skin at everything. It was yeah, terrifying. But, yeah. Um, the thing that we said about does Lee Wannell know any women who could maybe help him out with the scripts, I think that might have been a problem since the first one because that in the very first Insidious, there's that really bizarre protagonist switch halfway through where um, oh, I've forgotten her name. Is it like Renee or something? Um, she's the Rose yeah, Byrne, the Roseburn character, seems- the mom. She seems like she's the main character for like half of that film. And then they're like, oh, actually, yeah, what if yeah. she wasn't and we didn't care about her anymore? <laughs> or if Patrick Wilson could Yeah, and like, I understand the desire to make Patrick Wilson the main character, but in that case, like, <laughs> make him the protagonist the whole way through. Like, don't just... Yeah. It's, it's, it, again, it's like, didn't you needed to do another draft. When you changed your mind about that, you needed to go back and change what you'd done before. But maybe he was just trying to shift the focus because of what happens to Patrick Wilson. Yeah, I just think it doesn't quite work. Like again, it would work better though if we were more invested in Josh the whole way through rather than him being largely absent mm. for the first half of the film. He comes home a lot there's doesn't a lot he? Of, there's a lot of like, her calling him and being like why aren't you here to deal yeah. with this problem? Yeah. It's like I'm working but so isn't hard. Isn't that the whole point? Isn't that the whole point? That he just runs away. Yeah, well that's what I mean, but like we could be with him while he was running away rather than with her. Mm, I think it's saying more about like the domestic mm. relationship. And like the house but is it is yeah. it really saying that though like i i feel like that's you know you again will you kind of have to build your own interpretation and fanfic away things that just feel like 
they've not quite thought it through properly. It's like half an idea, but not quite the whole idea. The other thing that they should have realised earlier is that Lin Shay is the best thing about these films. And I don't know if they realised that in the first film, but they should have done. Uh, no, I don't think anyone would have complained if she'd shown up in the at the start of the second one or like, even halfway through and not been dead. If she'd come back like uh, Dr. Loomis in like, Halloween 4 or something and just been like, oh yeah, that was, that was a bit rough and had like, yeah. some bruises just around just her had, neck. Like, just had yeah. like, a scarf on. <laughs> yeah. Accepted that. It'd be perfectly fine. It would have been absolutely fine. There was no need to commit to the, like, oh, we've definitely killed off Lin Shay. No, because they, yeah, actually, that's a really great point. Because I, yeah, I was thinking that after I watched it. How definitively is she dead? It doesn't explicitly, she just sees her, like, passed out. I guess she, she could be dead. bring her back. Yeah, because I don't think I really knew that she was dead at at the end of the first one. And then in the second one, they're like, oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so like there is there, there was definitely a way they could have got around that like when what surely by the time they were doing the second one and they were doing this whole fiasco to get her back as a ghost they they knew <laughs> at that point we need to get her back so like <laughs> budget. like everyone loves her nobody will complain just bring her back with a bandage around her neck and we'll be we'll 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 all agree that that didn't happen <laughs> Is that all part of the madness of Insidious Chapter 2, though? Because I can't remember it that well, but I remember it being it completely batshit. And like a, a frantic sort of mess. So maybe that was just sort of like, should we bring back? There's no time. We've, we've got this draft already. Like, how's Patrick Stewart's How's Patrick Stewart's uh, Patrick Wilson's Jackson impression? <laughs> it's it's great, great. Awesome. That's it. That's the film. I guess, I guess the, if we have to do Insidious 5, it will be the psychic niece with help from Lin yeah. Shay in the yeah. further. If you're listening, yeah. Lee all, we will accept this as a compromise. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, can you hear us? Is there anyone out there? Can I ask, like, okay, so when you're watching it, do you get the impression that he just genuinely loves these, like, characters or these ideas? Or do you get the impression that he's being told... You well, there was out. a Den of Geek interview with him where he talked about how difficult this one was okay. to write because there was mm-hmm. basically no ideas left. He didn't quite say that, but he basically did say that. So, in fact, hold on. Oh. Should I find the quote? So I'm okay. not just putting words in his mouth. So, uh, hold on. Oh, yeah. So um, they asked, how long does it take to write one of these movies? And he says, hard question to answer. I guess it's the very definition of how long is a piece of string question in the sense that oftentimes the length of time it takes you to write one of these movies is dictated by the difficulty level. On Insidious 1, it was quite a quick process because I had this idea in my head. I'd had it in my head for a long time. And then he talks about Saw for a bit. And then he says, then the fourth film, this latest film was a little bit different. You know, by the time you've got by the time you get to the fourth film in a franchise, you're really mining for something different. You're really looking for a way to go about things that the audience hasn't already seen. We've already had three goes around on this carousel. So how are we going to tell a story that connects the other films that isn't the same old thing that the audience has already seen three times before? I had a lot of difficulty with that on Insidious 4. It was really hard. It felt like I was going to the well for water and the well was empty. Oh, God. So he, I mean, I don't think I misrepresented <laughs> that when I said he just basically said I didn't have any more ideas yeah. left. <laughs> Which is a shame because, yeah. Oh, In which case, yeah. maybe get, maybe you know how after you did Saw three and then you didn't write another one, maybe do think about that. I'd be like happy for someone else to carry on the Insidious films. I'm, I'm not kind of, it's it's I they're not my favourite franchise or anything, but I'm always kind of happy yeah. to go and see one. Yeah, I was really excited um, about it. I'm I'm very happy for it to kind of keep going and for yeah for Ghost Lynch to return and stuff. 
but I also if if someone if it was announced that Lee Wanner wasn't right in the next one, I wouldn't be like, well, I'm done. No, definitely not. Um, I think it would be nice though if somebody would just give Lin Shay a starring role in a different film that was good. Yeah. <laughs> so let's speak about Lin yeah. Shay's horror background. So Lin Shay has been popping up in horror movies for a really long time. Um, actually, the first one is Alone in the Dark, which is 1982, which I haven't seen. So I'm not going to talk about that. Not to be confused with Avery Bell's Alone in the Dark. Alone in the Dark. Very different prospect. Um, I think the one that people will remember is um, A Nightmare on Elm Street, where she's the teacher. And then there's just a lot of roles where she's kind of a very minor character, uh, often doesn't have a name, but like will just pop up to do a cameo. She kind of somehow, without having the role, the first role, she became one of those actors like Robert England or Bill Moseley or Tony Todd that kind of becomes known for being a horror person. So you're always kind of excited to see her name on the credits, uh, even if she only has a really tiny role. And then mm. she's just done a lot, a lot of that. Um, there are a few where she has slightly bigger roles, like Dead End. She is... When was that? 2003, where she, I think there's five main characters in that, and she's one of them. Um, and she's awesome in that, although I rewatched that recently and it wasn't as good as I remembered it being. But no. she is great because yeah. she's always great. I mean, I was sort of making a list of like films that I've seen her in that are terrible, awful films, but she's been great in stuff like uh, Grace the Possession. Have you guys seen that? It's like a first person POV exorcism movie no i have not seen that <laughs> it's really bad it's really bad <laughs> but lynn Shay's in it as the girl's like grandmother so there's that but then there's like this really strange thing she pops up in like cellular she's in it really really briefly as a well she's credited as exotic car driver <laughs> um, <laughs> she's in like a cinderella story she's in but then she's in like snakes on a plane she's in um Oh, just millions of things. She's in New Nightmare, oddly. Uh, she's taken up a new profession between Nightmare on Elm Street and New Nightmare because she's a nurse in New Nightmare. <laughs> uh, yeah, tons of stuff. And then there's like a whole bunch of comedy that she's done that I haven't seen. Oh, yeah. So I think I first kind of really got into Lynn Shay in probably Detroit Rock City. Yeah. Because she plays this really pious, horrible mother and she's incredible. She's so vicious in it. Um, and yeah, then obviously uh, there's something about Mary. She's like the next door neighbour who's always tanning herself. And yeah. Uh, but yeah, she is just, gen- she always kind of seems to inhabit whatever role she's given in a really interesting way. She always brings something to it. I think she's really charismatic. Yeah. She is super charismatic. So I guess like both the horror and the comedy stuff. Like mm. think about Detroit Rock City, like she's really good at playing a lot of dignity, and she's really good at playing no dignity at all. <laughs> I think that's quite like it's quite, shows quite a lot of range. If you just like go from something about Mary or Kingpin, where she's the landlady in that, to um, yeah, like Insidious or something. Well, she's like a proper trained dramatic actress. Like she, um, you know, she went to theatre school. She studied with a bunch of like super famous acting teachers. She knows her craft um, yeah. and I think you can kind of see that but like she doesn't seem to have those dramatic roles she seems to do comedy and horror which I guess is the curse of genre that you don't mm. get taken seriously she popped up in as I was kind of looking at what she done recently um, uh, Sarah Dina Smith's film Buster's Mal Heart which is kind of a bit genre-y 
and she kind of yeah. plays a uh, sort of mean, slightly mean mum in that, kind of quite judgmental. Yeah. Um, it's not a very big role, but it's just kind of, but yeah, it's like a dramatic sort of performance. In, um, I but quite then she liked kind of, that film. Yeah, me too, actually. I was, yeah, I really kind of saw it. But I think like in a lot of horror things, she's kind of there, you know, that it's, if she has a cameo in it, it's going to be quite a big performance maybe. So like The Signal or... Um, I actually like Darren Lynn Vowsman's Abattoir like a fair yes. bit. I don't think it's brilliant. I do as well. I like it's that. It's such film. a good idea and it's quite well done and she's got a great little performance in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of, you just know if she, kind of, if she shows up and she's looking a bit twitchy that something fun's going to happen. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, that's another one of those films though where you're like, you were so nearly about to make something amazing and for some yes, reason yeah. you just fucked it up. Yeah. Has anyone seen Helen Keller versus Nightwolf? No, I noticed that on the ITV and went, that sounds really, really super insensitive, but I would watch it. I think I saw the trailer for it and yeah, oh, it, looks, it's exact, it looks exactly like what it sounds like. Um, oh my goodness. And she plays Helen Keller. Yeah. <laughs> I think we need to watch this and just... Oh, I think it's going to be embarrassing. Um, we need an opinion, though. We do. It does we sound do. like she's kind of up for just popping up and things and sort of just doing, I imagine, like a day or a half day on any yeah. old sort of independent movie. Yeah. It's, it's odd, isn't it? Like, I was trying to, I was kind of Googling to find out more about her and read interviews and she just seems just really, like, content with everything and, like, I don't know. You'd almost expect some frustration, like, I am so much better than this material, but, like, it's, I... <laughs> If 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 she feels that she doesn't seem to express it, so good for her. Maybe she just enjoys, like maybe these people that she's working with are nice. Yeah, maybe. Just yeah. I'd really like, like to think so. I'd really like that. To yeah. Be <laughs> I'd really like to think it too. It's insane. Like she's got 198 acting credits on the IMDb, yeah. um, 11 of which are like upcoming. So like there's tons in the works, and she's like in her 70s, but she's still like on it. It's crazy. <laughs> It's interesting what you were saying about how, like, yeah, she's kind of got that Robert England type status without having the sort of the Freddy Krueger on or anything yeah. like that. She's just by consistently working and having like awesome scene stealing roles. And in, in Sidious, I think it, it must be like her first big, big lead, right? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Has anyone done a proper profile of her? I, I really want to. I can. I don't. Think yeah, so. I've been trying to get her, trying to interview her for ages. Just oh. nothing. But I mean, um, just in general, because you, Sarah, you were saying you couldn't find much yeah. info on her. So no one's really kind of delved into. No. I hope she's not a terrible person. That would be so sad. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Like, <laughs> no, I think she's brilliant. I'm, 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 I'm convinced that she's lovely. Yeah. What, what I, what, but that's the thing, though. Is, is there's something about her that you believe that she's nice like you believe it's that like you're saying charisma like you believe but i think that's what is so delightful about horror movies where she gets to be horrible like um so i think my favorite example abattoir is a really good one but i think my favorite example is ouija where they go and like find her and she's (laughs) the sister of this dead girl and um like you think that she's like this nice old lady that's just going to help the main character to solve the mystery and turns out she's really fucking horrible and she's trying to like (laughs) screw everything up and like spoilers for Ouija sorry but like but that is I love that so much just that realization that no this nice old lady is not trying to help you she is actually evil like that that just makes me so happy I love that (laughs) that's the best bit of Ouija it is it's so good (laughs) 
<laughs> it's just a bad film. It's not good. I really like Sarah, it. I would never be so bored in my life. That's fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> Your continued enthusiasm for it baffles me. Oh, my continued enthusiasm for Ouija and the Bye Bye Man. <laughs> That needed that needed Lin Shay instead of well I do love the Faye Dunaways in it but oh if, imagine maybe there could have been like another crazy old lady Lin Shay in that Lee Warnell was in that he should have just brought her with him she must have been busy doing one of her ninety eight other projects like she needs a good project like I think we've said this before about in fact you know the Robert England type of person like we don't have any respect for them in the way that they used to be you know Vincent Price or whoever used to still get great roles even when they're older mm. we don't have that for our current crop of like aging horror icons and it's such a shame because most of them can be great like get them in the right role and they're amazing but they just end up in these low budget like sh- first time director not very good projects and it just seems so sad like give them something great like tony told or someone like that he's obviously like an incredible like classically trained actor yeah. so like where's your yeah <laughs> where's a great film for you yeah, I don't know. Like, why don't why why doesn't it happen? Why do we just have rubbish? Like, someone get <laughs> someone get Jason Blum on the phone and get this sorted. Like, I want like an ensemble cast, and I want Tony Todd, Lynn Shay, Robert England, Bill Mosley, and like Tobin Bell. Chuck him in there as well. He's great. Like, you could do something <laughs> amazing. Could come up with the ultimate horror film. I know. Well, yeah. I, yeah, except that I am not a fiction writer or a screenwriter, so. It, I don't come want. On, I don't want to be the this. one to do it. I want somebody to do it. Maybe get Mike Flanagan on the line. <laughs> <laughs> Just a really sad film with all these horror it's icons. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I've got a pitch for it's you. all about grief. It's not really a pitch so much as just a cast list. Can you do something with this? Thank you. <laughs> I don't think this is how movies get made. <laughs> Sadly. Well, if we were in charge, <laughs> that's how it would oh, happen. Just. Let's start our own for like horror label. Yeah, I just wish I don't know. I just I, I, this film more than anything has just made me wish that those roles existed for them. And like it, I think that surely the um, success, the box office success of this film, has to prove that there is an appetite for that kind of thing. Like we're not put off by having a seventy-four-year-old woman in the lead of a horror film. No. Yeah, I mean, ageism is just rife in like yeah, films. Of it's course. terrible. Sad times. Oh, that's a sad way to end. We need to <laughs> find something more. Ageism is right. <laughs> yeah. But it happens with like directors who like also like their works will be like probably reevaluated. But I guess I mean I don't know how you feel about his films, but like Terence Malick, for example, um, like everyone's goes on about how out of touch he is. But then I mean he's just telling a story from like that point mm. of view mm-hmm. you know it's interesting how people if it's not like deemed as cool then it's just kind of thrown to the side yeah it's weird because you would think that given that horror is a genre where you can take virtually no money and turn it into something amazing like it's about the idea it's about the word of mouth mm. rather than the back being about the budget yeah. like it seems like those yeah. opportunities are there like you could do something i was just trying to think of like older the older horror directors who are still working and it's quite I'm, I'm kind of struggling well we've had quite a lot of deaths um, in the last couple of years haven't we we have but I guess uh, I just kind of think about there's that inevit- like it seems like there's that inevitable thing with horror directors where at a certain point things stop being scary 
but like um, you kind of you kind of have to think that a lot of the kind of the ones who could are still working kind of still have like a great film left in them. So, M. Night Shyamalan did uh, just to go off. Like, no, but he he's got like, nothing left. He's got nothing. Um, but he's been given one of the greats for like a, a universe. Um, so his film, what was his film with the old people in it? The visit. The visit. So I hated that. Yeah, me too. Uh, and if someone like approached, like how young people view older people and that kind of theme in an intelligent way that wasn't like horrible in that sense like in the way that he approached it i just think it'd be so good mm. yeah there's a, there's a there really there is a really good film in there or that yeah. in that concept for sure mm. but yeah just it, that film just shits itself to death <laughs> but who should be in it is ha- who sarah suggested have all of them actors in it and deal with it it'd be amazing it would be amazing <laughs> and get someone good to write it yeah, because I think there's that like horror. There's I can't remember what it's called now, like Death House or something. But there's that thing that's called like the Horror Expendables, and it just looks depressing. Maybe it'll be great, but it's like Kane Hodder and Barbara Crampton and oh, wow, everyone. Crazy. I can't remember who else is in it. What is it? I think it's, it... it's not out yet. It's been delayed for ages. Well, because I always just think about something like um, House of the Long Shadows. So you've got Vincent Price, Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing. Like you can you can do something yeah. really fun with that. And they, so you want something fun and I want something like deadly serious. Oh, I, I want, I want both. I want, yeah, I want all of it. I, yeah. mean, okay. I, I don't, I don't, we don't have to stop at just one. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Good. I want fun too. I, you know, I do love comedy horror. I do love yeah. comedy horror. <laughs> oh, I, can't, I can't wait for Patrick Wilson to get older and just lean into that role. And yes. Just sort of become. Uh, does Patrick Wilson like being like a horror guy? I think so. Okay. I hope so. I think he likes playing villainous roles as well. He's very good at that. <laughs> it's not about what Patrick Wilson wants. <laughs> but again, also he's a proper he's a proper actor as well. Well, yeah. that's the thing is that we have to stop thinking of like there being a division between mm. real actors and horror actors. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of. Uh, proper acting in horror films uh on the next episode we're talking about winchester which stars helen mirren as sarah winchester in the based on a true story kind of maybe a little not very much but the house is definitely a real story of sarah winchester in a winchester mystery house do you know what i feel like slightly like an idiot at this point because i've just realized that yeah winchester's coming out and helen mirren's 72 so that's more horror fronted by an older actress that's awesome yeah She's doing a damn horror film. I'll just, yeah. like, that's been the thing I can't get past like, every time I think about that film. I so, uh, can't wait for that film. I hope it's great. Yeah. There is there is another um, Lin Shay film coming out this year, but it looks like it will be bad, but in a way that I'm very <laughs> excited for, which is The Midnight Man. Um, yes. I think yeah. that might be going DTV in the UK now. It looks like that's coming out in March on DVD, I think. Sweet. Thanks for listening. That's it for this episode. We will be back very soon. In the meantime, uh, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, we are at Runescasting. If you've enjoyed this episode, please uh, give us a rating on iTunes or SoundCloud or the podcasting platform of your choice because that helps uh, other people find the podcast and then we're really happy because we have more listens. (laughs) So thanks again and we'll be back soon.